something real quick I was asked to show you how to find Ruth what you do is you go and you open up the Bible app and then you scroll down to where it says Ruth and then you just punch it that's as easy as it is guys just just in case you were wondering how to find Ruth uh, I am so happy to be back here with you again today uh, God is good and uh, I, uh, I really enjoy being here uh, a lot of good folks uh, here at Ekron a lot of good uh, Christians doing what they... They're scoundrels too, don't get me wrong. But, uh, but a lot of good people here at Ekron, and I'm, I'm just uh, excited to be able to, to be here with you again. Uh, Happy New Year to you. I don't know if it's Happy New Year or thank God the old one's over. But either way, uh, Happy New Year. We're excited uh, to be there. I've talked to a few people about some New Year's resolutions and stuff and uh, finding out that most people aren't making any. Uh, most people are saying, why make them if you're going to break them? And we're going to talk a little bit about that later. But before I do that, uh, I was uh, talking with Brother Tom this week, actually texting with Brother Tom this week, and he had mentioned the gospel to every home and asked if I would talk to you guys about that a little bit. So I wanted to make sure that I um, gave you a little information on the gospel to every home. Uh, there is a group called Saturate USA who is supplying some materials and they are actually wanting to get the gospel to every home uh, in, in the United States. And uh, we want to join with them in that. And the Southern Baptist Convention is, or the Kentucky Baptist Convention has joined with them. And uh, we want to get the gospel to every home in Kentucky. So our association has joined with them. And we want to get the gospel to every home in Meade County and the surrounding areas. And then... Uh, what we're asking is our churches to join with us because I don't know if you realize it or not, but the, the, the association is nothing by itself. Uh, you are the association. You are Ekron Baptist Church. Now, we have 21 or 20 churches, and there's a, a church plant that we're doing some work with also, but we have 20 churches, and those 20 churches, that is the association. It's not a different entity that's it. So what we do as an association to get the gospel out to every home is we uh, help support our churches to do that. So with that in mind, realize that Ekron is an autonomous church. All Southern Baptist churches are autonomous. Uh, I've had people call me and say, you need to talk to our pastor. What do I need to talk to your pastor about? I'm here to support your pastor. I'm not his boss. I'm not over him. I have no say in what goes on at your church know that okay i am the director of missions or the the associational mission strategist and my job is to come along beside you in your church and help support you as you make disciples of jesus christ that's my job that's what i want to do i want to help in any way i can one way that i think we can help is is promoting through the association the gospel to every home and that's to make sure that every home in our surrounding communities has a chance to hear about Jesus Christ. And I know some of you are thinking, well, we're in Meade County. Uh, everybody around Meade County knows about Jesus Christ. That's not true. Less than 12% of the people go to church in Meade County. I don't know if you knew that or not. But less than 12%. 
I was a youth pastor at First Baptist Church here in Meade County, and I would have kids come into my youth group simply because I would play basketball with them, and they would come in and, and, and they'd play basketball with me, and I'd say, hey, I want you to come back and play again next week, but you need to come to church if you're going to play. And, and I said, we have a devotion for about 30 minutes before we play. You come and join that, and I want you to play, and I'm going to beat the socks off of you next week when you come. And I'd just, I'd just tell them that. I'd, I'd want them to come. I'd challenge them. And they would come, and we'd talk about Moses or Abraham or, or some of those, and they wouldn't know who they were. I'm not talking about obscure people in the Bible. I'm talking about people that you learn about every day in Sunday school. Guys, we've got a community that needs the gospel in our home. And our association is wanting to help promote and take that gospel to every home in our communities. So to give you a little idea of how that works, uh, P.J. Thompson is our contact person. He is actually the chairman of our uh, connections team. And uh, connections team is the team that tries to get the churches to do things together, and he is uh, taking this on. And we actually have a meeting on Tuesday at Buck Grove at 6 o'clock, and you're welcome to come and find out more. Uh, we've had a couple of meetings already. And uh, what, what we're looking at doing is taking our area, and we're going to divide it up by roads. Now, it doesn't mean that... that uh, you're going to just take roads that are right here beside you. We may have some uh, a little further away that some of you may want to take. Some of you may live in different areas. So when the churches get together and decide, we'll talk about those. Most of your roads and, and the people that you would talk to as a church would be in your area. Does that make sense? Then churches on the other end of the county, guess what? They're going to take care of most of those roads. So we're not asking you to take care of every road in Meade County. Your Ekron is not going to every house in Meade County. But we have got materials for every house, and we're going to divide those up. We're going to divide up the roads, and you're going to be able to go to each house and do that. Now, the first thing you want to do, though, is you want to start it with prayer. And uh, our prayer team is working on uh, some different prayer things to go along with this. And, uh, and we'll roll those out to you and talk to you about how to pray and how to start. And, and guys, uh, this, this whole thing with COVID and everything, I know it's crazy. I've had these materials for months, and we've been sitting on them. Why have we been sitting on them? Because we're in a crazy time. We're in a crazy time. But what we're doing is we're getting ready, and we're preparing, and we're doing trainings and teachings, and, and we're meeting tomorrow night, and then in February we've got a training coming up. And we're going to talk about how to roll this out sometime in the spring. So we're planning, and we're going to do it properly we're going to uh, make sure that we handle the materials properly we're, we're going to make sure that when we uh, see someone or go visit someone that we are representing christ in an orderly fashion which is which is good for our community so what what is this whole gospel to ever home so let me give you just a snippet of what what it is uh, in uh, what we have is we have a door hanger bag um, it's not exactly like a Walmart bag. It's, it's more of a cylindrical, longer bag. And inside that bag, we've got a DVD that talks about Christ in, in multiple languages. We've got a track. The Kentucky Baptist Convention has given an insert to talk a little bit about the gospel and, and what's going on. The association will have a uh, more like a postcard that we're making to put inside of it. It's got pictures of the church on one of all the churches on one side. 
and then uh, it'll have a, a contact list and, and name the churches and tell people where they can go to find out more about the churches and the churches in our area. And uh, it will have all that. It'll have a, a brief explanation of, of the association. The church can put what they want to in it. We've got some churches that are putting uh, things as simple as a prayer card and saying, hey, how can we pray for you? Uh, let us know. Uh, other churches will put pamphlets about things that they do and things they offer where you can go. Some churches may not choose to put anything. Uh, we may even have some churches that, that get together and say, hey, these roads are between us. How about putting your pamphlet and my pamphlet both in the same? Wouldn't it blow a lost person's mind that think churches can't get along if they pull out a bag and say, two different churches doing the same thing? What's up with that? I'll tell you what's up with that. Kingdom work is worth it. Doing God's work is worth it. Getting the gospel to every home and telling others about Christ is worth the effort that it would take. So uh, I am glad that you guys are going to join that effort. And uh, if I can answer any questions or, or do anything uh, to help with that, uh, please don't hesitate to ask. A good, news a good New Year's resolution for some of you may be to, to get involved in more outreach programs, and that would be a good one. So uh, I, I went around earlier, as I said, and I was asking about uh, some New Year's resolutions and who's made them, and, and uh, basically I was asking the question, have you made any New Year's resolutions that you've already broken? And uh, I, I couldn't even find people that made New Year's resolutions. I think this is something that we used to do. Um, it's not as popular anymore because, guess what? They always seem to be broken. Well, that's, that's not really the case. Um, I don't know if you know it or not, but about eight, according to statistics, about 8% of New Year's resolutions hold true. And that's, that's actually better than I thought it was when I was doing some research. That's way better than I thought it was. But uh, to say that you're going to... Uh, to have a New Year's resolution, resolution comes from the word resolute. And when I was preparing this message to start with, uh, I was thinking, I stand resolute, and my message was going to be about, here are the reasons that I stand resolute in following Jesus Christ. And there are multiple reasons that I stand resolute in following Jesus Christ. But if I went into all of those, we would, we would still be here next week, and, and I would still be preaching when you got here next Sunday morning. So um, I have uh, changed a little bit, and, and I'm not going to try to mention all of the reasons that we stand resolute in Jesus Christ, but resolute comes from the word resolution, or resolution comes from the word resolute. And Webster says uh, that the definition is to be marked by determination. Part of the problem with the New Year's resolution is we're not really determined that. We look in the mirror and say, I'm fat, I want to be skinny, so I'm going to lose weight. We look at the candy from Christmas and say, I'm hungry, so I want to eat candy. So we're not really determined to lose weight. It don't go into our actions. It doesn't transfer that way. We want, we want the outcome without putting in the work. But sometimes work is involved. I looked up the top ten New Year's resolutions of 2019. I wasn't able to look up the top 10 New Year's resolutions of 2020 simply because we hadn't made them yet when I was doing this research. So I'm going to go over those with you real quick. Uh, number 10, 
Read more. People really want to read more. I think that's a good resolution. Travel more. Number eight, spend more time with family and friends. Number seven, quit smoking or drinking. Number six, save more and spend less. Number five, live life to the fullest. That's kind of vague. I'm not sure what all is going there. Um, learn a new skill or a hobby comes in at number four. Get organized is number three. Lose weight is number two. And exercise more is number one. I think after Christmas, everybody thinks they need to lose weight and exercise more. I'm in that boat as well. Uh, I have not made a New Year's resolution on it, but I hope I'm not as fat next Christmas as I am this Christmas. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, so, um, I, was, uh, I was thinking out maybe the 2020 New Year's resolution might be a little bit different. Um, a lot of times a, a New Year's resolution might be I want to eat at home more and, and eat out less. Well, well, this year I'd like to eat out a little bit more. I've been eating at home a lot. Um, I, I want to do more of those kind of things. Um, spend, spend less time at home might be a good New Year's resolution uh, for this year. Um, <clears throat> Forbes uh, put out a study that said less than 75% of New Year's resolutions are, are still going within the first 30 days. Less than 75% are still going within the first 30 days. In other words, by the end of January, three-fourths of those resolutions have already been broken. Now, I was a little bit uh, heartbroken that maybe being more religious, reading your Bible, getting closer to Christ didn't make the top ten. Uh, I, think, I think those are some of the kinds of resolutions that we need to make. Uh, they say that there's, there's a lack of motivation and lack of determination to follow those resolutions. We're not motivated enough. We, we don't see the goal well enough. That's the reason that we don't follow those New Year's resolutions. Well, in the Bible, there were a couple people that made a resolution, and you probably have never thought of it this way, because I really never thought of it this way before this past week. But uh, if you'll go to Ruth, chapter 1, and verse 14, <coughs> I'm going to read several different passages of Scripture. Most of them will be on your slides. Uh, you may want to write some of them down. I'm not going to give you a quiz today, so you can... Uh, I know some of you stayed up all night studying the whole Bible just in case I gave you another quiz. But uh, I'm not going to give you a quiz today, but we are going to look at several passages of Scripture. We'll start in Ruth. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, we'll start at verse 14. Before I do that, I want to give you a little background there. There was a famine in the land of uh, Judah, and there was a man named Ahimelech. He was a man from Bethlehem. Uh, this time of year, we think a little bit about Bethlehem. Uh, what do we know about Bethlehem? That's where Jesus was born. Great, that's where Jesus was born. This story way back in the Old Testament has to do with Jesus. It has to do with the birth of Christ. So this could be a great Christmas message. But anyway, Ahimelech took a wife. Her name was Naomi. They had two sons. Don't quote me on the pronunciation, but Malion and Chilion or uh, Millen and Chilin, whatever you want to call them. Uh, anyway, Ahimelech died after they went to Moab 
and his two sons then took wives. About ten years later, uh, the two sons died, and Ruth was left alone with Orpah. Let me take it back. Naomi was left alone with Orpah and Ruth. Now, uh, Naomi was Ruth's uh, mother-in-law and, and Orpah's mother-in-law, and we've heard a little bit about her. Some of you would recognize Ruth right off the bat, very popular, even a book of the Bible named after her, but most of us don't even know about Orpah. If I had said, who is Orpah, uh, you would have wondered who I was talking about, probably. Most people would. But uh, anyway, uh, things got bad in Moab, and, and uh, Naomi heard about a blessing that God was blessing Judah and there was plenty of food, and God was taking care of them, and, and the land was, was doing well. So she decided that if I'm going to make it, I'm going to eat, I'm going to be able to, to survive, I'm going to have to go back to my family. So Orpah and Ruth said, we're going to go with you. Wherever you go, we're going to go. We're going to stay with you. And uh, Naomi said, no, you girls probably need to return to your home. And they said, no, we're going with you. And then she said... Uh, uh, it's not going to be easy. I can't have another kid and give you another husband. I don't know how I'm going to take care of you. Things will get rough, probably, if you stay with me. So, in verse 14, it says, And they raised their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah was not very resolute when Orpah found out things weren't going to go like she had planned she said bye-bye and she kissed her bye that's not the way I had planned it bye-bye no husband bye-bye sorry not me I didn't sign up for that uh, uh, oh that's a long journey that's a long way to travel uh, on second thought bye-bye Oh, church last past 12? Ah, bye-bye, I'm not going to church anymore. Wait a minute, that wasn't her, was it? Love your neighbor? Bye-bye, I've got neighbors I can't love. I'm not doing that. Hard times ahead? Bye-bye. You see, Orpah, like many so-called Christians, was not very resolute. She said, oh, I want to stay with you. Naomi, I, I'm going to be there. You can count on me. But when the times got tough, when things got hard, when circumstances in our life come up, she said, sorry, I can't follow through on that commitment. Bye-bye. See you later. See you later. On the other hand, Ruth, verse 15 goes on to say, Then she said, Behold, Naomi to Ruth, Behold, you're... Sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not plead with me to leave you or to turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you sleep, I will sleep. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will be... There I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and worse, if anything but death separates me from you. When she saw that she was so determined to go with her, she stopped speaking about it to her. 
Ruth was resolute. Ruth said, hey, it's, it's not like I planned. I'd really planned to, to be married to your son still until you died. It's not like I planned, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's not just like I'd planned. I, I don't have a husband, but I'm determined. It's such a long journey, but where you sleep, I will sleep, even if it's along the road. Church last past 12, oh, man, that's just like overtime at a basketball game, isn't it? Love it when church lasts past 12. That, that may not be the case. I know you're thinking the beans are burning and you get hungry and, and preachers preach too long and, and we go too long sometimes. But it, there's nothing wrong with putting in a few extra innings occasionally. Amen? That was weak. That was really weak. I'm sorry, Brother Tom. I don't think they agree. Isn't it okay sometimes if things are, if God's leading for us to go a little longer? Amen. Amen. Bible says love your neighbor. It doesn't say if they're loving love your neighbor. Guess what? Love your neighbor. She said your people will be my people. Through your neighbors, they're going to be my neighbors. I'm going to love them. It's going to be hard. Naomi, I'm resolute. I'm determined. I'm going to stick it out. I'm going till the end. And she did. And she became the great, 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 I don't know how many greats, grandmother of Jesus Christ. God used her. Do you know why they had to go to Bethlehem? Because Ruth was resolute. That's why, that's why Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem. That's where they were from. And it all started because Ruth was resolute and said, I will go with you, your people will be my people. You see two separate responses, two different commitments. Only one was resolute, and that was, that was Ruth. What kind of commitment do you have? How resolute are you as a Christian? Are you resolute similar to your New Year's resolutions? Or are you resolute more like the early Christians were? Are you resilient as a Christian? Are you fragile? As a Christian. Only Ruth was resolute. What is resolute? Well, I've been doing a little research. I went through and I looked up some other words that I thought might talk about the early Christians. So I'm going to read through these pretty quick. And you, you can see if you agree. And we're going to look at some other things. But it says, um, resolute. Here's some other words that I think would go along with that. Adamant. Backbone. Determined, decided, die hard. That's a good word, isn't it? Die hard. Uh, durable, enduring, gritty, hardcore. Any hardcore Christians in here? I mean, uh, other people look at you, man, he's just a hardcore Christian. That's all he is. Those early Christians were immovable, preserving, persistent, purposeful, resilient. Steadfast, strong, tenacious, tough, unbreakable, uncompromising, unshakable, unstoppable, unwavering. Do any of these words describe you? They do describe our earlier first century Christians. They do describe some of the Christians that you can read about that's been martyred and and, and you can see that they had determined in their heart 
that Christ was their top priority. I hope today this message will cause you to be more resolute, more determined, more tenacious in your Christian life, more adamant about serving Christ. Don't really have points today, but if I was going to have a point, point number one would have to be, is Christ the most important thing in your life? It's more of a question than it is a point. We're going to look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 <coughs> and verse 35 says this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or trouble or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. I've got to read that in the King James Version or quote it that way. It just sounds weird to me the way it is. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. We are more than conquerors. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or principalities, or things present, or things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. The early Christians were consistently driven. They were perpetually motivated because of their love for Jesus Christ. There was nothing they wouldn't give up for the Lord. They were ready to lose whatever. Verse 35 and also again down in verse 39 says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Many Christians read this verse and they're saying, There is nothing that I can do to keep Christ from loving me. And that's true. Amen? But the early Christians also read it this way. There is nothing anyone can do to keep me from loving Christ. See the difference? That's true. There is nothing you can do to cause Christ not to love you. Nothing. Even as a sinner, Christ loves you so much he died for you. But the early Christians, they looked at it a little bit differently. What will stop me from loving Christ? Nothing will stop me. From loving Christ not death nor life nor angels or principalities or things present what things present in your life is causing you not to love Christ what things present with the crazy world that we're living in the COVID the political unrest the, the everything that's going on what is causing you not to love Christ you see, I'm persuaded that nothing present can separate me from the love of Christ. Either Him loving me or me loving Him. Death doesn't matter. I lost my job, guess what? Nothing can separate me from loving Christ. He will take care of me anyway. We'll go through it together. 
And there's nothing that can stop me from loving Jesus. No trouble will stop me from loving Jesus. No persecution, no famine will stop me from loving Jesus. Nakedness, if I'm broke and don't even have clothes, guess what? I have Jesus. No danger will keep me from loving Jesus. No sword. See, just before this was written, if you look a little earlier in the Scripture, you'll find out that they had even witnessed Stephen being murdered. They knew what was going on there, but, but still, but still, Christ was their priority. Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20. How do you compare to these Christians, by the way? Are, are you a, a diehard Christian? Are you hardcore Christian? Are you a resolute Christian? Let's look in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. It says, Now... And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me. Save the Holy Ghost, witness in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear to myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord to testify the gospel of grace of God. Verse 24, none of these things move me. Paul's resolute statement is played out later in his life. If you go ahead and read through the, the book of Acts, uh, you'll see just a couple chapters later that uh, he was arrested uh, simply because the crowd was upset with him and was beating him up and wanting to kill him. So the Roman guard came in and, and, and pulled him out from being beaten. Several times, even before, he was beaten for the cause of Christ. Paul, on the way in being arrested, said, Hey, stop a minute. Let me, let me, let me talk about my defense. And he told about him being a Pharisee. He told about him and his religious leadership how prestigious his life was and the things that he had. He had free reign to go and kill other people. That's how much power he had. He was tormenting Christians. But he said, I met Jesus. And it changed my life. And I am resolute in the fact that I will follow Christ. Though it cost me everything, I will follow Christ. No matter the price, Christ is worth it. I will follow him. And that's what it cost him. It cost him everything. It cost him his political power, his prestige. The other Pharisees looked at him as a dead man. Well, they really wanted him to be a dead man, truth be told. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. I don't think I gave these to you, Paul. Sorry. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. You'll either have to uh, read along with me or write them down and look at them later. I'm going to read actually out of the Amplified Version. It says this, But whatever former things were gained to me, uh, as I thought then, these things, once regarded as advancement in merit, I have come to consider as loss absolutely worthless for the sake of Christ and the purpose which he has given me. But more than that, I count everything as loss 
compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord, and growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with Him, a joy unequaled. For His sake I have lost everything and I consider it all garbage so that I might gain Christ. Paul said, guys, I have lost everything. I'm an outcast. But everything I had was garbage compared to Jesus Christ. What have you lost as a Christian? Paul lists it there in, in uh, Acts chapter 22. He says, these are the things that I had, but I count them as garbage for following Christ. What have you lost? Take out a pen in your notes there. Write down something that you've lost for following Christ. Tell me, are you a, a resolute Christian? What motivated these people to follow Christ? What motivates someone like Paul to say, it doesn't matter what's going on. Take a knife, put it to my throat. And tell me that you're going to kill me if I don't denounce Christ, and I'm still going to say I love Christ. What motivates someone to do that? You see, the reason that we don't follow through with resolutions and our goals is it's not important enough to us. That's the reason. Is Christ and following Him important enough to you? What motivates you? What motivated them? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. This is also the Amplified Version says this. For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to and for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again. You see, it's Christ's love that compels us. Did you see there in verse 14? Verse 14 says, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us. What, in, what impels you? What urges you? What motivates you to keep going? What, what motivates you to keep your focus on Jesus Christ? You see, even, even back then, they didn't forsake the Lord. They didn't even reduce their commitment to Christ because of any personal challenges that came their way. Christians today, we get a personal challenge and, and we reduce our commitment to Christ. Heck, some of you get in past 8 o'clock on Saturday night. You don't come to church on Sunday. If you got in past 8 o'clock on Sunday night, would you go to work on Monday? Sure you would. Why? Because that's a, a stronger commitment for some of you. Now, I'm not saying you've got to be in church every day. I'm not saying that it's wrong to ever miss. I don't preach that. I don't think that. But I do think our commitment to Christ sometimes pales in comparison to other things in our life. And Christ needs to be our top priority. Lost my place here. Let me look and see where I'm at. We might have to start all over. Uh, they were driven. Uh, the church of Laodicea, if you remember in the book of uh, Revelation, 
they were the church that, that had loved Christ, and the Bible says they, that they lost their first love. You know what God said about them? He said, I want to vomit them out of my mouth. So here's what I think. I think you can be a resolute, steadfast Christian, a diehard Christian, a determined Christian, and follow him because of your love, or I think you make God sick. Would, would God say that, that you would be an example for others to follow? You remember in the book of Job, when Satan was going back before God, and I'm not going to read it, I'm just going to tell you about it, but he went back before God, and uh, God said, hey, where you been? And Satan said, I've been running to and fro around the earth, and, and God said, hey, have you checked out my servant Job? Did you look at Job and see what's going on with him? Do you know what God's saying? God's saying, that's the man that follows me because he loves me. That's a tenacious, die-hard, resolute Christian. God was vouching for Job. Now, I know there were some things that went on there, and I'm not preaching about Job and, and, and how Satan came in and messed with him, and Job withstood the test of time because he loved God, by the way. That's not the sermon. But, but God said, have you considered my servant Job? Job was willing to lose everything. If Satan's in front of God right now, I'm afraid he probably wouldn't say, have you considered my servant Steve Butler? Have you considered my servant? Put your name there. Would God vouch for you that way? See, I don't think so. I don't think so. But Job, like the early Christians, uh, you know, he didn't forsake or reduce his commitment to God because of personal problems and issues going on. Are you a resolute Christian? Are you like Orpah? You would say, I'll live my life, but if it gets hard, I'm out. Uh, I'll come to church most Sundays, but don't expect more than that. Uh, I'll pay my tithe unless I need the money for something else. I'll work at church as long as it doesn't take up too much time or no one disagrees with me. I'll be a witness. Uh, but only at church around Christians. Don't expect me to say anything outside church. What kind of Christian are you? What would cause you to turn back on Christ? Acts chapter 5, verse 40. They followed his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not stop teaching and preaching the good news of Jesus as the Christ. That's a different attitude, isn't it? I'm thankful that I am worthy I'm thankful that I'm worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ. That's not our attitude. If we have to suffer for Christ, we're out. We want the easy road. We're a bunch of weak-kneed Christians. We need to be more resolute in following Christ. And as we move forward, it's going to be more and more important that you are determined and faithful followers of Jesus Christ. 
Acts chapter 16, verse 22. I don't think these are in the slides either. It says, The crowd joined in an attack against them, and the chief magistrates tore the robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. This is old Paul again. Wouldn't you like to be Paul? And when they had struck him with many blows, they threw him in prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the other prisoners were listening. They counted it a blessing to be able to serve Christ. Wouldn't that blow your mind if you were a lost person? They love him that much. They're still singing and praising God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. says, We are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not despairing. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Those early Christians were diehard, resolute Christians. Their resolution was to follow Christ with all their heart. I don't know if you've made New Year's resolutions or not. Do, don't. It doesn't matter. But make a life resolution to follow Christ, to be a diehard Christian, to stop making God sick by being so wishy-washy in our Christian life. We need Christians who love Christ enough to say, it doesn't matter. Things can get tough. The road can get hard. It might not turn out the way I wanted. People at church might not like me the way I want them to. They may not agree with me. But kingdom work is worth it, and I'm going to follow Christ anyway. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for your love. Because you loved me, God, I, I love you. Because of the love you've showed me, you gave your life for me. How could I do less? Father, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I pray that you would help us as Christians that are here and praying to, to, to be your witnesses, to take the gospel to every home, to share the love of Christ wherever we go. Father, I pray if there's someone that's lost here, they may think I'm crazy talking about being willing to give my life for, for Christ. But God, they don't know you like I do. I pray that you would help us, that we understand and have a knowledge of your love that will motivate us to be diehard, steadfast, resolute Christians. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.